This is Wayne Goldsmith, and welcome to Sports Thoughts. I've spent 25 years traveling the world, working with some of the world's best athletes, coaches, and teams, trying to discover what it is that they do, how they think, and what it takes to be the best in sport. Subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com to keep up to date with my thoughts on sport. Okay, welcome to Wayne's World. It's Wayne's World with Wayne Goldsmith. WG Coaching is uh, WGCoaching.com is the website address. Wayne Goldsmith is the man. G'day, Wayne. How are you doing today? Well, I'm not quite sure, mate. Apparently, there's a huge tropical cyclone sitting halfway between Australia and New Zealand, and it could go either way. So uh, <laughs> it could either be this time next week we could be in our, our Wellington boots and up to it, or you guys could be, unfortunately. But let's hope it just dissipates completely and everybody's fine. Let's hope so. You sent me a fascinating article from RugbyPass.com during the week entitled, One of the Game's Greatest Minds Believes Rugby Needs Radical Change. And the great mind is indeed a great mind. It's Wayne Smith. Now, the article focuses on the potential for serious injury in rugby. And I quote here, a sport struggling to cope with battalions of muscle-bound young men and of parents fearful to expose their children to it all. Talks about injuries, safety, and the changing shape and size of our top players. And Wayne Smith also makes some really pertinent observations around player recruitment. In generic terms, in general terms, Wayne, what did you make of, of Wayne Smith's comments in this article? Well, as I, I've said to Smithy on a few times, I said, mate, your four letters short of a perfect name. You just had to add the gold in front of your surname and you'd be right on the money. But Look, I think, and I'm sure most New Zealanders feel the same, that there wouldn't be a better rugby mind anywhere in the world. And if he says something, uh, I'd immediately sit up and take notice because the scope of his insight from junior football through to elite junior level, uh, super rugby, obviously, test level, there's no, there's nothing about the game, tactically, technically, preparation, anything that Smithy doesn't cover. And if he makes a comment, knowing that that he's thought it through from such a broad perspective, it's worth listening to. He's, he's extremely insightful and loves the game more than just about anybody I've known. So if he speaks up, it's something that's not only very well informed, but it's something he feels passionately about and definitely worth listening to. Well, like I say, one of the points he makes and, and the main guts of the article to start with is around the injury toll that rugby is taking and and it, it talks about injuries at the very very top level of the game and in test rugby and then down through representative rugby and even into junior stuff uh, you know the, the the hits are getting bigger the players are getting bigger um, they're not taking any backward steps here Wayne it's um you know it's it's I don't want to say warfare out there but but, but it is pretty close to it isn't it I think we've all you've got to take a big breath and have a very broad perspective of it. And the reality is, and this is not going to make everybody happy, but we know that the, the pressure and the demands of high school rugby have grown. We're seeing it here in Sydney and Brisbane particularly. You're definitely seeing it throughout New Zealand. I have a lot of conversations with parents and with coaches and other people tied up with the game across New Zealand. 
that the pressure to be successful, particularly at first 15 level, has grown because it's not just the competition, but it's an ornament and a reflection on the standard of the school. And the school can use the success of the teams at first 15 level to say, look, this is what the school's all about. Excellence, winning, um, athleticism, success. And they use that then, to be blunt, to get bums on seats to say, look, um, our, our team's tremendous. We're winning easily. This is the school to send your kids to. Now, as a result, and again, I'm seeing it at Southport School, which is five minutes away from here that I'm familiar with and other schools here, is that then says, all right, how do we win first 15? We can rely on luck. Who comes through the door? That's not going to work. That's not a strategy for success. Maybe we've got to recruit. And that's led to an aggressive, is the only word to put on it, is an aggressive recruiting campaign throughout the Asia-Pacific region, looking for the biggest, strongest, fastest, tallest young kids to get into football. Then putting them into almost an academy or adult standard strength training program. And the, the example that I used talking to someone the other day is that the GPS competition on, on in Brisbane is, is about six weeks, seven weeks in total. There's not a final series. And so it's a very, very short season. Now, some of these kids at 16 years of age, they're in full-on strength training programs the previous September piney. And we've got them, they're going three or four times a week, they're doing running training, they're in the gym, they're on protein bars, they're taking supplements for six, seven, eight months for a six-week season. What message are we sending to them and to, the, to their parents that we're desperate to win this first 15 competition, we're putting everything into it for months for a six-week competition? And not a, where do they go next? What do you do with a 16-year-old player who's already training five, six, seven times a week, doing heavy weights, almost man-level weights, to win a first 15. What do you do with them after that? And it's an epidemic, and Smitty's absolutely nailed it, that we've become overly obsessed with that and not standing back and looking at the bigger picture. Yeah, the last couple of lines and his last couple of quotes are probably, to me anyway, the most important in the entire article. And he uh, uses a word a couple of times that maybe doesn't get used in this discussion a lot, and that's the word fun. Where is the fun in this anymore? Well, for some players, they're going to enjoy it. They love the mix-up stuff and they love the training. There's no doubt. But the the data is so clear, Pointy, that we're... Where we're saying to every player, look, it's all about first 15 or it's all about winning at this level and the pressure's on or there's incentives or whatever it might be, for the majority of players, it then stops being a game that they love and a beautiful game of fun with their mates. It starts becoming a high pressure. And, you know, schools are like, a, they're like their own nation. They're like their own country. Is that if you're in the first 15 team or if you're in one of the senior teams in the school, Every conversation you have with every second teacher, member of staff, with parents, with other students is, so how are you going to play this week? So what position are you playing? Oh, you guys lost on the weekend. I can't believe you lost it. You're putting them in an environment where everything is focused around the win-loss record of the team at a young age. And you you and I have spoken many, many times that, that it's, it's, it's all about how much they love and enjoy what they're doing. People will endure anything if they genuinely love and value what they're doing, if they find meaning in it, 
if they're surrounded by people who value them and respect them and love them, if it's if they love, they'll do anything. Once it starts to become a, an onerous task, high pressure, challenging, creating stress, it's very difficult for you to retain your enthusiasm. Now, you know these kids, 15, 16, 17, look what we're doing. They're growing. They want to buy a car. They may be in their first boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. They want to earn money. They're in their most challenging, demanding academic period of their life. They're dealing with the way they're growing and maturing uh, physically and emotionally. And then we're saying you're going to train five times a week for a short competition with incredible pressure on it. And then we wonder why at 17, 18 years of age, they all drop out. We go, mm. well, what's wrong? Well, we've, we've exposed them to mental, physical, um, educational and sporting pressure for two or three years. They don't want a bar of it. And I made the same with Marty Cup. I've had the same conversations with rowing coaches. Beautiful sport, wonderful people, but the same expectations around first aid and the first 15. And then you look at the dropout rate and the lack of opportunities and the lack of continuation of kids that go Marty Cup in the clubs afterwards. It's a, it's a major problem for rowing in Australia and New Zealand and so on. It, it, mate, it's a huge issue. Very, very difficult to change, though. Yeah, and, and that leads me on to, nicely onto my next question in that, in that with everybody else doing it, if, if, uh, you know, a, a, if you talk to a first 15 coach or the head coach of a rowing eight at one of our top rowing schools, they would say, well, Wayne, I hear what you're saying, but if I stop, if I pull back then the others are going to go past me. So has the horse bolted here? Very difficult, Piney, and you've, you've got to be a realist. Although someone used to say to me that an optimist thinks that a realist is a pessimist. That, uh, but it might be a bit too deep for this time of morning. But <laughs> the, the, a friend of mine coaches rugby. He's the first 15 coach in the GPS system in Sydney. And him and I were having a discussion about this over a beer a few weeks ago, and he says, Wayne, I agree with what you're saying. Completely, philosophically, conceptually, totally agree. He said, but, he said, I'm getting paid $150,000 a year. We live on campus and we have free accommodation, and my kids get free tuition at one of the finest private schools in Australia. If I stand on my principles and say, nope, I'm going to back off on pressure, we'll have an holistic approach, will be more concerned about developing the young athlete and the human being than winning first 15 competitions, I lose my job. My kids don't have the same academic opportunities and my whole life changes. And I can, you can't disagree with him, Pony, that, that for him to make that decision is too hard. We can't put that in the hands of the coaches. I'd argue you can't even put it in the hands of individual schools. It's got to be a serious commitment from, in your case, NZRU or Rugby Australia here, to, to, to say what's in the best interest of, A, the game, the kids, the families, the sustainable success of the competition, the, the growth of the competition, safety. They've got someone at a senior level, a leadership level, has got to step back and say, right, this is too hard for that coach to make that decision because of the conflicts they've got with their own lives. Too difficult to say to a school, compromise the standards that you're going to expect and the winning chances of your first 15 for a bigger principle, uh, no pun intended, uh, for a, a bigger philosophical belief because they're not going to do it. It's too difficult, as you say, for one group or one team to say, no, we're going to look at the issue broader. It has to be a decision that comes from the highest level, most senior level 
of rugby and acting in the best interest of the players long term. Not an easy one. And you're not, it, I could imagine people who are listening are debating it one way or the other and arguing with it, it's it's this is this is a hot potato that people in the game know, but very, very difficult to take on and make any significant headway on. Yeah, and, and that's it. I think you're, you're right, Wayne. I think we can all we can all agree with the principles, and we can all look at the data and or the lack of you know data uh, that says you know that, that this approach works, uh, and and say, hey, you know what, you're right. This is this is not the way we should be going if if we have the long term interest of the sport and its players at heart. But as you say, once you when you're working in the business rather than over look you know overlooking the business. It's a damn sight harder, isn't it? And and like you, I'm not sure what the answer is, but certainly the conversations you'd have to think would have to be had. Look, the rugby situation over here, Wayne, you wouldn't have escaped your notice. You know, numbers are dropping. Numbers are dropping. Less and less people playing rugby at secondary school level because of the emphasis. Well, one of the reasons is because of the emphasis on the first 15. It's the first 15 and then, and then you know, the rest of it's kind of like, well, unimportant. Well, that is the fascinating thing, Pine, isn't it? Again, talking to this friend of mine from... Sydney in, in you know one of the, the, the most highly reputable uh, rugby schools with a long history and history and tradition in, in the game is he said he said look mate to be honest and from his words he said to be honest my job is to win first 15 my whole life my um, my reputation my my success my remuneration everything is based around winning first 15 to be honest I don't really care about Super Rugby. I have no interest in Test Rugby. I'm not about growing the game. Everything that I need in my life for myself and my family depends on me winning first 15, which means I'm going to do whatever it takes within ethical boundaries to win that competition. Now, if you were talking NZRU Rugby Australia, they've, of course, got almost the opposite perspective. They're saying, well, yeah, our first 15 is important. Great competition. Great to see young athletes at their best. However... The bigger picture is we're all about growing the game at grassroots level and being successful at club level, Super 15, uh, uh, whatever we have, <laughs> Super Rugby level, and at test level. So the, the, where the disconnect has been is that Rugby Australia, NZRU, and others, and I'm going to the RFU in a couple of months as well, having some early discussions, they're going through the same thing, is there's a disconnect between the motivations and the goals of the two groups. And so you can completely understand why it's been so difficult to solve. And it's just, it's not a one conversation discussion, but at some stage, somebody has to take it and take, uh, without overusing the pun, someone has to take the ball up the middle. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com.